Welcome to Postcolonials in Petticoats, your podcast about period dramas by two Brazilian academics living in the UK. Hello and welcome to this new episode uh, where we discuss Bridgerton. This is season one, episode two. I'm Lucia. And I am Deborah, and we are very excited to uh, discuss and di dissect this episode with you. <laughs> so the name of the episode is Shock and Delight, um, and it starts with the birth scene of Simon, Simon Bassett, the Duke. Mm -hmm. It's a very different feel I've, uh, from the, the last episode. It's very dark. Yeah. Uh, and it starts very differently. I actually, it really struck me. I don't, I don't actually love that beginning of episode two just because I think it's so different and I was not expecting such drama so early on, um, you know? <laughs> and it's There's really a lot of like... pain, a lot. It's very difficult to watch, you know? And it's like, uh, well, the episode ends, like it, it does a full circle because it starts with the birth of Simon and it ends with the death of his father. And like you kind of glimpse, have a glimpse uh, at Simon's character. And at the same time, his father is completely one, like it's completely simple, uh, you know, one-sided character. He's like, he's just a bad man from the start. He was awful to his wife and the mother of his child, only cared about the fact that he had a son or not. You know, he was, he was not there. He just didn't care about her health at all. And then she... Um, passes away and then we have lady Danbury entering the scene and then we know how like we uh, i think they had already mentioned how like she was related or close to him but there we see how she was um she saw the situation as it was and how awful he was being to his wife and how she died without even like you know so yeah, at the same like time, that. and it has to be said, I, I, I'm not trying to defend defend the man because he's <laughs> awful, but it was not. Uh, well, I guess we we can we always have to remember that this is a very alternative uh, history, and alternative reality almost because it has to be said that men did not participate during birth. They were yeah. not in the room. I know he's very callous and, and cold and he does just cares about the air. He doesn't care about his wife. I get that. Uh, however, I don't think even if he was good, and I know we see at the end, spoiler, but we see at the end that Simon is, is taking part, right? Uh, mm -hmm. During Daphne's um, labor. But it wasn't very common uh, at the time. So I, I, yeah, I, no, I, I, I know he is awful. Don't get me wrong. But I, it's not no, surprising I to me that he wasn't there. I don't expect him, I didn't expect him to be in the room as it as it happened, but he was not, like, he didn't seem to care at all about mm -hmm. her well-being. That's, that's what struck me as, and also this, before I go on, I just wanted to uh, make a, a small disclaimer, because you just said spoiler. If you're listening to this podcast, you have already seen the whole season, or at least, I mean... I wouldn't expect you to be watching these episodes for the first time and listening to us talk about them. Like, at least you've seen them before. This. So the spoiler thing is not really a thing. And but if you yes. haven't seen Bridgerton and you're listening to this, go watch Bridgerton and then come back to us. <laughs> yeah, that is don't... my tip. Also, it's worth remembering that this is a show that was in based on a romance novels. And romance novels, what, what, the, what makes a romance novel? 
what makes a romance novel is a happily ever after. And uh, we have this, or if this is obvious, this, this is where yeah. it's going to go. Yeah. Okay. So uh, end, end of end of rant. <laughs> end of... <laughs> so the thing is, um, one thing I want to show is uh, like obviously we know from the whole episode that's set, it's more focused on Simon that this very traumatic event, which is his birth, like he killed his mother by being born and never was 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 like abandoned by his father, uh, is not only because his dad is such an awful person, but he feels definitely guilty for having you know being the reason why his mother died. I know it was more common then than ever, but I mean, uh, it's it's it makes total sense that he doesn't want to have kids or so I don't think she, he wants to, you know, he wants someone else to go through that as he did. Yeah, uh, and also and also out of spite, right? He yeah. doesn't want his father to have the satisfaction of seeing his line prosper. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that this episode um, deals with birth in general there's a lot of baby talk um to to you know like that which brings a lot of um laughter and joy because <laughs> it's great uh but it also deals with some bad uh, some bad men uh mm -hmm. so we we see a, a bit of uh nigel a little bit more of nigel and we learned a bit more a bit more about his life mm -hmm. uh so yes i think there's some some threads kind of that that go through the episode you know like it's they, they're you, everywhere we see the women worried about um marina's pregnancy and the girls like um eleanor eleanor am i saying it right? eloise eloise oh my god sorry eloise and penelope uh wondering like is it catching like how did you because they had no education yeah this a was, great, it's a great want, question yeah we want to talk more about this uh uh soon but it's just that um i just feel that the episode had this whole again the feminine world how Uh, women were worried about this, this, or that, and about the pregnancy and about the baby, or is it catching? How do you get pregnant? And then the others are worried about the reputation and stuff. And the men, the fathers in the episode, which are um, the Duke's father, you know, Duke of Hastings and uh, Burbrook, who is a father of a bastard child, but yeah, is a father. And how they deal with that, and they ha they have a chance to be more detached about the whole the whole business. They don't have to be in the room where it happens, and they don't have to. So we see the side where the women are all concerned about how do you get pregnant, what happens now, how do we deal with this, and the men, the 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 fathers, and the men in in the in this same world and in the same uh, quote unquote situations because they're not really the same situation if you have completely different reactions and 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 uh, consequences to that but they do not have the same like uh, the duke doesn't doesn't care like he, he the only duke cares father by the, the way, duke father yeah, yeah the no, father no. does doesn't care about his um you know his his wife the mother of his child he does only cares about having a son and having a perfect son Whether and then the other one um, doesn't care about the fact that he is a father of a of a bastard, but still, I just like to mention that there's a cat's tail. Yeah, there is a, there is a cat joining the recording. I'm afraid. <laughs> you want to talk Bridgerton? He does. He really likes Bridgerton. They like watching TV. Uh, <laughs> but I also want to mention because uh, you mentioned uh, the Duke and you mentioned Nigel, but also I think we see Anthony as a father figure to Daphne. 
Yeah. And how he is behaving because he has decided that she's going to marry Nigel. And he doesn't even know this. That she has so many options. I'm just like, so everyone wants her. Why does he want her to marry Nigel of all people? You know? Again, is the man and the father specifically completely disregarding the woman's side of the whole situation. And uh, and there is a scene where they're talking about... <laughs> sorry, the cat has been removed. <laughs> There's a scene where, um, where they're talking about... Um, Lord Burbrook and the fact that Daphne punched him and Anthony says well she would have told me and then uh, Simon will, is like would she? Would like, she have told him? Do exactly. you also in, if she had would you listen? <laughs> like are you, because in the, in the end he's only listening because that's that's Simon telling him yeah I think that's a very current subject yeah yeah do we listen do we listen to women do we believe what they say and would even as much as anthony i believe loves daphne and cares for her would he have believed her because he might have thought oh she just doesn't want to get married she just doesn't want to marry this man that's why she's saying this which is wasn't the case or she didn't want to get marry him but she but but the fact that he tried to assault her was true and also the fact that then after that whole thing in this in the ball Daphne gets angry because then she says it I have not considered in this sorry <laughs> Skimble sorry, we have a cat I'm so sorry Skimble the cat, shanks. The, cat, the cat wants to be part of the podcast <laughs> so this is gonna be like we this podcast is gonna be very organic because we don't have time to edit too much so you will listen you will hear this conversation about Deborah's well I'll cat. definitely post a picture of the cat on our socials so you can see the cat trying to you know be be a star of a podcast. Put a he microphone. Have his own podcast. He meows a lot. Yeah. Put a microphone in front of him, and they can like you can take a picture. <laughs> and he's a star. <laughs> so sorry, sorry. Well, then uh, let's follow the chronological order of the episode as best because, as we can. Yes, because I'm I'm skipping to the end. And yes, I'm excited so, about that. Uh, part. So to go back, I think after we watch uh, Simon's a little bit of Simon's past, which makes us understand a lot more about him, we see how Daphne has recovered her place after Vauxhall, uh, after the end of the first episode. So they, Daphne and Simon, decide that they're going to pretend to be a couple. Um, she has she regains her place uh, mm-hmm. in a, in the admiration of potential suitors and in the tone right she is now yeah. again she's restored to the diamond diamond of the first water she is restored to being the most desirable the incomparable as they say yeah of the season uh, and... because obviously we all know that there is nothing like someone wanting you for everyone else to want you because <laughs> it's a bit like you can't get a job without a job kind of like that Daphne's going through that <laughs> and, with men. and especially with men men have this thing where they my dad told me once that he has friends who he watched doing that. My dad was always like married and happily married. And, you know, but he's, he noticed that when he had a couple of friends, whenever one of the, them showed some uh, interests or show, like signs of being attracted to a certain woman in their friend group, the other one, he would go and, and compete out of, you know, pure competition. Or he didn't even notice that that woman was interesting until another man thought so. So it's very common. It's not. A, I think so. Yeah. And, and, and that's why it works. And that's yeah. why they, they come up with this idea and it works. Um, and then from there, we have the most wonderful scenes about, you know, just how, where the babies come from, <laughs> which is, I think, my favorite thing of the whole season, if I'm <laughs> honest, because I love it. I love how uh, they, they 
wondering what's happening to Marina. And then we have a lot of Penelope in this episode, which I love. Mm. Um, and oh, she good. talks to Marina and she wants to know what happened and, you know, how she became with child. And <laughs> she says, <laughs> cake. <laughs> Yes. Which I mean, I, I mean she's not wrong. <laughs> but don't don't ruin cake for us. I still want to eat cake and not uh, catch a baby, like catch a not catch, catch a, a baby, <laughs> catch a pregnancy. And I was like, it's what uh, that's what's so funny is like, where do babies come from, and is it catching, or am I at risk? We must yes, know. And I think it, it, does, it does. I mean, all joke aside, it does address the fact that they were not well informed, and even yeah. the Bridgerton girls, who we think, because when we are introduced to the Bridgertons, uh, Bridgertons, we see this family who seem to be very close, and they seem to be to really like each other. You know, that's all kind of like you think, oh, they are perfect. Surely they will talk about these things, but no, they did not Obviously talk about not, yeah. um, sexual things that were big taboos um, during that period. And we see that, especially the girls, right? Because the men, the guys, the brothers seem to know what's happening. They do know what's happening. Uh, but, but girls are expected to not know, mm-hmm. which is one of those uh, those things that, you know, how are women meant to do anything if they, are not, if they don't know well the men knows? You know, how are women meant to be virgins and men not meant to be virgins? Yeah, yeah. And the men, yeah. <laughs> meant men... to have experience and women are meant to be virgins. How does that work? And that that's a whole thing throughout the first season because Simon obviously obviously knows how things and this is one of the big uh, no-nos from Anthony is that Simon knows and Anthony knows that Simon knows how how babies are but Anthony right? also knows yeah of course but but <laughs> he's worried about you know well you're you've seen you going in and out of brothels and stuff and and Simon then in other episodes that we're not I'm not gonna go into that now but like he teaches Daphne how to touch herself and it's like uh you know because you wouldn't get this kind of education from your mother and uh yeah so it's just it, i found i found that like so interesting and then obviously how it how it relates to daphne's storyline later on and how how little she knows about these things and when when uh, eloise enters the room and asks in that very funny scene like you know how does one you know come to be with child like and then and then it's a very funny scene but uh you can see that daphne gets like you know she's interested she wants to know like huh and also bear in mind she is about to be married to someone she she her plan is to be married by the end of the season Mm -hmm. of the of the of the the uh you know the 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 season of balls and and that not just the season of bridgerton even Uh though I oh, like the fact awesome. that it's a season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so her plan is to to get married and she doesn't know anything. And the fact that she doesn't know anything plays a huge part in her development and yeah. where the story goes. Because the story only happen, only goes that way because she is not informed. And it works better in the, in the, in the adaptation, in the TV show, because, uh, as Deborah can say more about this, because you've read the book, um, in the book, it's not her first season, so that's why they're so desperate to get her married off. Uh, and in the series, it's it's her first one, so you kind of don't get. Uh, the, there's an article on Vulture about this, so you kind of don't get why they're so desperate if it's her first season. I mean, you kind of yeah. do get it because it's like, yes, um, she is a very like it's a very famous, prestigious family. It's the first daughter in the family to get go into the marriage market, so. They want to do well in the first try and then, you know, to, but at the same time, you don't get why, like, Anthony is so, like, 
you know, obsessed about getting her married off like so And her soon. mother as well. She yeah. is very much worried about that. Yes, I think um, it's one of those things, right, that I think it would make more sense if it was her second season. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for the purposes of an adaptation, it kind of definitely, it has to be her first season. It has to be her introduction to the the, the tone and like the, to the people and to the balls and all that so I, I do understand why they made it her first season but it does kind of beg the question of why are they so desperate to marry her off so quickly but yeah. it's fine I, I can look past that I don't mind yeah that's that's just uh something that uh, we that article Vulture does some we need to reference it because we do uh we are influenced by what what we read about the series and the books and Vulture does some really nice ones about uh the they analyze the episodes. Yeah, they do scene to scene recaps, which are great. Which are great uh, if so you if you have like a short term memory, loss like we do. Yeah. <laughs> so just like super useful. So just to 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 you know, hats off to other people who also do do part great of the work. Thing, yeah, yeah, and do. Uh, I just uh, as we uh, as we're still talking about the pregnancy thing and how to get uh, with baby, how to get with child. Um, this is where we have the first mention of uh, George Crane who is uh, Marina's love interest. Mm-hmm. And for the attentive watcher and viewer, uh, <laughs> they will remember that the, the surname Crane does come back. If you've read the books, you will uh, bear, that, bear that in mind because yeah. it's, definitely, it's definitely important. It's definitely not just there, just because. <laughs> exactly. Even though Marina is an addition, her, her presence in the series is an addition. Um, I, I do love the fact that we see her. She is a character that does exist in the Bridgerton books, book yeah. universe. Yeah, but well. she's not as interesting. Uh, we don't see her. We, we don't they, see her. We, yeah, she starts. Yeah, no, I'm not. No spoilers. Don't, don't, that, don't that tell. Is, don't tell them. They might change it, season. and I do think it's possible they will change it mm-hmm. because they made such a big thing out of her character. So they might change it because mm-hmm. I'm very much open for change. I love when they make changes, and I think considering that these novels were written. Like they started being written in the nineties and like early noughties. I think it's up this due for a change. You know, they can change it. I think it's great. If you're adapting for an audience today, you're not adapting for the audience of nineteen ninety nine, you know? So and we, change them. we must remember as as an adaptation, a former adaptation scholar, because I don't do that <laughs> stuff anymore that, that often or so much. Um uh the author of this series is not Julia Queen. It's Julia Queen plus Shonda Rhimes plus all the writers. So you have to take into consideration that it is another work of art. It's not this. It's not the books. It's the series, and it's a Shonda Land production. And it is. It is. So they, they their voices are also gonna get in that, and then it's also different context, as Deborah said. So it's it's gonna be changed a bit, and it needs to. It needs it, it adapts to the the context that it's so like 2020, a year of a pandemic, like re, the episodes being released on Netflix on Netflix to start with is like a different platform than usually what Chanda Land does, and on Christmas Day. So it's all like it's all different, and it's it's expected. So we're not like when we talk about the adaptation, we're not like saying, "Oh, this is not good because it's it it goes," you know, it's it's different than the books. It is. Yeah, it's that's uh, not the, a problem. just getting the names so we so we quote the names right. The uh, series was created by Chris Van Dusen or mm. Dunson. I'm not sure, uh, and it's produced by Shonda. So it's Chris's version of Julia Queen's story, produced some, by Shonda. Yeah, Land, yeah. You know, 
all of this. So it's yeah. that is, I think that has to be remembered. It's the it's the person who created they created this is an adaptation. It has to fit the medium. It has to fit the times. There's no point in just adapting exactly as as the book is and not dialoguing with yeah the current situation, right? So and here comes my my Lucia uh, TV scholar uh, <laughs> little point is that uh, in TV the most important person in the in something is the creator or the the screenwriter whereas in cinema you have the names of the directors being like remembered for the style of the movie the you know oh this is a quentin tarantino movie this is a uh, so like you know the movie and you know the choices around the movie where like mostly the authorial voice is the directors whereas in tv is more the writer the the show's creator the screenwriter so that's interesting to note as well but um, that's not what we want to. I'm just this is a little disclaimer. As, oh, as I think scholars. it's important to talk about it because we yeah. will be talking as as we talk about period dramas. We'll be talking about a lot of adaptations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of them are adaptations of novels. So it's nice to be able to. We respect the novels, and the novels are still there. You can still read them. Yes. You know they're not. They haven't been destroyed. Destroyed by a, the adaptation who that which goes. Like, you know which takes different paths but the adaptation actually creates readers for the novels and, oh yes and the novels so, like... romance novels are like <laughs> topping the list of bestsellers right now really are yes duke and really i great. duke the duke and i which was one of the first predictions to be published and like it's it's from a while ago it's now on the bestseller list for weeks so it's yep. so and the... all the other novels so if you look into it all the other novels then are suggested to you they're also on the list because people want to people want to know what's going to because that happened and they don't yeah. have the show yet so yeah they're reading so, it so it not only like ex an example game of thrones uh this similar a similar phenomenon happened where you know they cre created readers for the actual source uh text and it's uh and also at the same time adaptations in period dramas are very a very safe bet because especially with bridgerton because there is a big fandom, there is there is a really a big community of readers who already love Julia Quinn, already love her books. So when they adapt something like that, they are sure that there's going to be at least those people watching the show. If they don't like it, well, that's, you know, but they will be watching the show and giving viewings to the show. So it's, um, yeah. so it's, it goes both ways. It helps yes, the definitely. book and I mean, helps the I mean, The Duke and I was published 21 years ago. Oh dear. And it's oh it's it's topping the charts again. So that is that is such a big thing that the show is doing for the books. Yeah. And I think it's making other people read it. And there's a whole um there's a whole bunch of people who can do this better than me, but romance novels are still seen as lesser as a lesser category of books uh, mm -hmm. that people judge others who read it. You know that you have to that that women, especially women, and their books re read mainly by women, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're so judged because anything that women like are, is usually seen as lesser, uh, less important, less good. Um, so it's it's just interesting that they are now making this comeback, and they bet on it. Like I think Shondaland kind of decided we're gonna do this, we're gonna adapt this. And it already, just the fact that it's Shondaland, it already brings so many new readers. And the fact that they are doing this period adaptation, which is very different from all other period adaptations that we've seen, also, I think, speaks volumes and it brings new readers, new viewers all the time. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, I think my dad watched it with me. Um, I've watched it with a friend and I've watched it with my dad and his girlfriend. And obviously, me and his 
uh, girlfriend were like swooning over the Duke and all the other and um, joking joking aside but like it's um, my dad liked it as well so it's like if men are, are listening to this which I which I doubt but if you are listening to this um, do give it a chance because it's, it's fun it's fun we are in the it pandemic. is fun have it fun. is fun and it's time we start respecting things yes. and works of art that have a happy ending yes. it's not just sad things that, that require and, and exactly. deserve respect yeah, Happy that's... endings also deserve respect. And then yeah. I've said my piece, I can go now. <laughs> and with all, with all the problems that you ha might have, I like to go back into a time when uh, the, the biggest worry in your, or into a context in which the biggest worry is, will I get married in my first season or not? I just don't, uh, you know, there are so hey, many It's a pandemic. Problems. This is yeah. all we have. We, all, <laughs> okay. we, have, we have period dramas and we can believe that people had all their teeth <laughs> and, that, and that there were so many jukes in, in England, that there were jukes for every lady. Every lady who wanted a duke could have one. And, and they that, all knew what to do in the sack. <laughs> and that and that dukes looked like that, honestly. That's, that's, it's, so it's, I need to make a point here about this. Because I don't know if it was Vulture or somewhere else we read. They said they call this expectative fiction, which is... Speculative. Like, no, there's speculative. But I think I, I heard the, the term expectative. Like I, oh. what you would... Or I don't know if I'm creating the term or if I've heard if somewhere If you else. are, this is a new scholar <laughs> path that you hadn't thought of. Or, or, or mis I misheard when you said speculative, because I know it's speculative fiction, but I heard speculative and I like it because it's what you expect had happened was the reality in the times. In I which, like that. I like in that. Which, in which, in which uh, people like Simon could, could actually be lords and dukes and, you know, so... And that's that we come back because I think we skipped that part. It's just a small disclaimer. Oh, we yes. are gonna go deep into the race issue because we are not like it's. And not the show our... doesn't, right? The yeah, show doesn't. The show go doesn't. Deep into it's it. just sleep, like it kind of, it kind of, it kind of winks at the audience sometimes. It's like if you if you know you know, and we are. It's not our place of speech to talk about this. But I just wanted to say. I just I just translated the term Lugar de Fala by Jamila, but okay. So it's not our place to talk about this. Um, but just one one brief comment is that when uh, when you're looking at Simon's backstory in the beginning, we have his father say that um, they expect uh, greatness from them, so they were given this given this title, and we 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 cannot disappoint. There's great expectations on your shoulders, and we cannot disappoint. Otherwise, we lose, or we might lose what we what we got. Uh, and this is interesting because, for starters, the white nobility doesn't have that worry that much. So it is, as Deborah told me before we started, like it's it's more of a, a nod to like how middle class was was. Yeah. So we have in the beginning of the nineteenth century, we have this kind of rise of a new middle class that 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 emerged with the industrial revolution. And this is me being a super nerd, but um, it is the, it is the case. And uh, some of them will have been given titles. A lot of them did not have titles. They were just, they only had money. But some of them would have been conferred titles. As to this day, we have the queen mm -hmm. calling people sirs and and mm -hmm. dames and all sorts of things. Um, but mostly, I think the middle classes were trying to maintain that place that was so hard earned that they they struggled to earn. They didn't they didn't come from money a lot of the time. They just kind of had to work their way up, you know. Kind of it's, it's the beginning of the of the self made capitalist yeah men society, and and uh, I think they there's a nod to that when they say that the Hastings, you know, the Bassets actually have to um, have to fight for their place to 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 remain in that position. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely this kind of like this worry that it's such a big deal to be there. They don't go deeply into it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, you could criticize the show for not going deeply into it, but you can also say that's potentially a good thing that it's just, it's just there. And we just have this kind of a very colorful uh, cast. I don't know. I don't know where uh, and most I think... people stand, but I think most people uh, enjoy just being able to see it and seeing all these kind of different faces. Yeah, and I also like one thing I, I need to mention quickly as well uh, in relation to that is that when, that scene when um, Lady Denver is, is telling young Simon that, uh, well, he has this whole thing of not being able to speak properly and having a stammer and all that. And it's interesting that she says to him that she was also t- like terrified of, you know, the public life or going to the public and her position and her place and the fact that she calls the attention wherever she goes. Uh, you can interpret that as being because she is black and in, in an extremely white society, even if it's in that, you know, alternative reality, expectative fiction of Bridgerton, the series. But uh, and she says, then, what did I do? I made myself terrifying. And just just a nod to like the stereotype of black women and you know you know scary spies and all that kind of stuff. Maybe she just leaned into the stereotype and yes, if you're gonna reclaiming think, it almost, reclaim, saying, yes, yeah. okay, I am that. Then be afraid of me. Yeah, and do yeah exactly. So that's just interesting to note that they don't go deep into it, but they kind of give like a little wink, and that these um this this colorfulness of the cast or of the. Uh, this expectative fiction that they create in which this alternate reality where, where where this is where Simon has this status and where, you know, it's all slightly explained, but not really, but explains how much weight, like also black actors and, um, you know, influencers and everyone like in-, in Artists in, in, in yeah, general, right? They have so, so much more pressure to also be an activist, to also be great- and if you see them compared to white ones who just do something very simple and then get all the attention as also, well. so it's like they have to be great. They have to be, you know, extremely amazing to to and to be in the and same to always place. be in their best behavior as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so, to always uh, appeal to everybody. You know, yeah, not yeah. be controversial. So I think there's a there's a lot of pressure, and I think the show kind of shows that yeah. uh, nicely. And uh, before people say, and I think I know this is a this is this is a constant before the show came out of like, oh, you know, there were uh, no black people in um, high society in England in the 19th century. Well, that's not quite true. Maybe not to the extent that the show sh- uh, like portrays it, which is fine. I think the show has you know poetic license uh, mm-hmm. to do these speculative fiction, which I love. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, there were there were uh, heiresses and like rich black people in the society and there's a and there's a Jane Austen story uh, in which one of the main characters is a black heiress from the Caribbean who comes to England to find a match unfortunately she never finished it because she died before she had the time mm. but yeah it's just interesting to say we 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 tend to neglect that and look over and look past that but it is it was there and most uh obviously in the arts Yes, there were. Like we know, we have yes, quite yes. famous in boxing as well. I think boxing is another thing, and actors. Will, they were yeah. definitely present, uh, but we tend to not like not just us, but historically they were overlooked. Yeah, especially because history. Just just a small comment. History in this country, I found out. I'm I'm shocked because in the I, UK, by the way, in the UK, because I come from Brazil, and in Brazil, historians are famously 
extremely left wing all of them or like the 90% of them uh they have you know the, it's all these jokes about how they love Che Guevara and go to Cuba or whatever so they <laughs> so when you come here you I I was shocked to realize that uh, the idea of historians and philosophers here is that they're more like pro establishment which is which shocks me but that's kind of it makes sense to what you created as what it means to be british and for so 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 long it meant it meant a specific type of person and it didn't include all the richness and all the diversity that is actually in so all the in, in languages as well like britain is way more multilingual than it give itself credit for so it's um, this creation of this nation of the identity um it completely erased the diversity in its history so i just wanted to yeah i mean look they they conquered one fifth of the world <laughs> in the 19th century did they expect that Britain would be white and uh, Queen's English forever. Yeah, well, that's... I think if they did, they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to say, well, we are talking about... Uh, we talked about the... Um, uh, going back to... We're talking about the ba- where the babies come from, is it catching and all that fun. And then we go to Anthony punching the Duke, which is rude. Uh, no, but he punches him like <laughs> out of he? yeah, out of that like manly, like fragile masculinity of like oh, how dare you dishonor my sister? I'm gonna punch you, how whatever. Dare. And uh, and they are, and we can talk about the boxing now if you want, because it's a big thing. Yeah, uh, episode, we yeah. see a lot. So we see it's. I love how uh, we talked about how Daphne wouldn't be believed, right? And like she she defends herself. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about that? Yes, yes, about, yeah, like, that's why we did a big, like, (laughs) (laughs) it's okay, we can leave it, like, it just went back to that, and then, and then we're back to the point where we deviated in the first place, back to, yes, so I think, I think we see, again, we see a little bit of uh, Simon's relationship with his friend, uh, the, the other boxer, who, his trainer, Mm-hmm. And as we said in the previous episode, uh, they do. There's a lot of kind of um, more fragile masculinity showing there, even <laughs> though he is a boxer, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, I think again we kind of uh, go into this um, stereotype, even of uh, black men being very strong mm-hmm. uh, and not being able to be fragile. And the show just kind of shows you that is not the case. And I love that. Yeah, and it like, and the fact that. Um, uh, Simon says, I can't believe I'm the first, like, you're the first person I reached out to when I came back to town, like, the, the, his friend who's the boxer. Um, and uh, and it's it's interesting because that, that's when they have their conversations. It's when they are uh, fighting, boxing, and at a vulnerable state because you are, you know. So it's interesting how they, the show um, uses these scenes to have them and they actually really talk about feelings and yeah to develop their characters as well i think that we see so much of them while they're fighting which (laughs) is great and then that fight is literally kind of used to uh to hit nigel which is great i think it's not rude to punch nigel burbrook you should punch him well yeah yeah like anthony's (laughs) thing of punching someone anthony should not have punched the duke although he thought he thought you know he was he was he was being um taking advantage <laughs> yeah and i think um oh, Daphne. one thing i was gonna say the the you said also about you know black men especially feeling this whole pressure of of 
masculinity and stuff and we have also the athletes and like the bodies so uh, i was a bit worried when i started seeing that that it was going to focus too much on simon's body like objectifying a black a gorgeous black man but it it, it doesn't do that so i was i was worried about that but it actually does in the in the um other episodes as well we we'll, we'll see that it's it's not it's not with the show po shows them uh boxing because that's also an interesting way of how men like especially these two characters and now anthony as well how they talk about their feelings and get, get vulnerable it's a very it's it's almost a contrast contrast on screen because they're doing something that is deemed very very masculine like the the expectation expectations of masculinity uh which is like fighting mm -hmm. but at the same time they're doing the most and i'm using masculine and feminine to just mean like expectations rather than reality mm -hmm. but they're doing the most kind of feminine of things i'm doing air quotes i know you can't see me but i'm doing, <laughs> uh, doing the most feminine thing which is talk about their feelings you know yeah so it's like you have these two forces almost literally fighting but not quite you know it's just great it's, it's very <laughs> it's very well done i think it's a it's a point for the show it yeah. has lots of points but yeah. there's another one and as we said in the last episode the uh duke's friend who boxes with him the boxer i forgot his name for some reason anyway he um gets he is a wholesome dad and father figure yes yes and he's you know a good influence on simon as well and he makes simon think about his choices and his so so it's a good like it's a good uh person to talk to and then yeah it's, it's a good friend that, yeah it's a good but going character. i think going from uh, this world of men mm. we can uh, go into the world of women and the mm. world of talk which is uh, what they do best <laughs> and it's how they get things done and i love the fact that uh, i think that's that's such a great thing i'm gonna say this is my favorite thing about the show a lot about a lot of things because i have mm. lots of favorite things <laughs> so i'm sorry <laughs> but i just like the fact so, so we have First of all, we have uh, a lot of La Lady Danbury and Lady Bridgerton, Lady Violet, kind of shipping Simon and Daphne, which I love. <laughs> they kind of orchestrate everything that's happening and they get Simon, I think it's in the next episode that he comes for dinner. So like there's all, it's all that it's all they're doing. They're, they're doing, they're amazing. But then we have, Violet also goes to uh, the Queen. She talks to the Queen. She's, she's invited to... Uh, so you can we, we can see how the queen also has this power to manipulate and to get her way by talking to people and getting people on her side and getting people to do what she wants. Even though she's not head of state, her husband is head of state, but she's still kind of playing the game. She's playing the social game mm -hmm. with her pawns. But then we have uh, Lady uh, Burbrook come for tea at the Bridgertons awful lady oh. which which is great because we find out that the whole family is terrible. <laughs> she is also terrible. Um, but I, I can it, I just say I love the capers on rye. It's just like you you did that disgusting thing to then have that disgusting. Son. It uh, makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. And I love how they find so so we have a glimpse of the downstairs, and that always reminds me of Downton Abbey and shows like that. That we see a lot of upstairs, downstairs, but we see a lot of mm. the servants and how the servants manage to get information from um, Lady Burbrook's um, maid. And it's based on that that everything kind of moves. And that's, you know, that was the whole plan. That was a plan all along that they would get information and they would put it out there. They would do what they do best, right? In the age of fake news, where all the big fake news casters are the majority men, I think, like we think of Donald Trump and we think of our awful president, 
Jair Bolsonaro and all these who use this fake news. And it, in this case, it's not fake. It's act, the actual truth. But how it came to be was through unofficial ways. And then it reached Lady Whistledown, who has a voice and can go and, you know, spread the word, spread, spread the rumor, the which is stronger than, you know. And I just wanted to comment that this thing of like uh lady violet says oh i'm gonna do what women do best we're gonna talk right and then they talk they talk they talk it's like they're gossiping really and the word gossip there's an article by silvio federici that says that actually the word gossip was not intended to be a bad thing when it started it started as just you know conversation between women i, I might be wrong i might I need to go back to that article but it was then uh, twisted in the way that now um, gossip is a negative thing, is like a bad thing, and and it kind of downplays the importance of women, um, you know, women's communication and women's like solid solidarity and sorority. So it is uh, interesting how the word that means now something so so negative uh, and fake. And I think and that ties with. That ties with what we were saying earlier about mm -hmm. romance novels and romance novels being something that women read mm -hmm. and therefore something to uh, of, of little value because mm -hmm. yeah. i think th historically things associated with women end up having less value than things associated with men mm -hmm. for, for better or worse i'm not saying gossip is a great thing i'm just saying for, for either way it's always seen as lesser or less important of less yeah. value yeah so yes there's definitely uh, um, the case and I also love how um, if you read a little about the 19th century you'll see how women were, were constricted how there were very few things that they were able to do of their own right and when we see this this is kind of a way to be subversive without being openly rebellious <laughs> because they are they're using the weapons they have and these weapons are conversation they, these weapons are talking to each other to get things done to get to get in this case to to get Daphne out of uh, a, a match that she doesn't want like a, of, of a potential marriage that would be terrible for her so it's how how can you do these things with the weapons you have and that's what they do i think we see a little bit of this um and i think it's also interesting to point out that for example um so i really like eloise don't get me wrong and i am a big feminist but when you watch bridgerton without a a, a more detailed I don't, know, I don't know how to say that goggles or like if you you would think that she is the most feminist icon in the show because she but I think, if only my opinion, she is a bit too expositor, like she, she does too much of exposition. And it reminds me of slightly of some shows that do like, oh, look, look at me, I'm feminist. I say like these like jargons that go like, ooh, that looks nice on a t-shirt, all that. But, but you think, like, I think, I still think she's an important character and I like her and, you know, I follow her and I agree with her. But she says many times, oh, women could, go, could do actual achievements, like go to university. Well, they So she criticizes these things, it's just, which is great. But I think people think of her as more of a feminine icon, a feminist icon. And they don't think about, for example, Violet. And, and I think she is 
more not more but she is as feminist as it's you don't have to lady Danbury. lady Danbury, and and even like you don't have to resort to saying those those magic words yes to be feminist that's yes what and I, mean. I think that uh that brings back what we what i i especially i think it's one of my criticisms to these first two episodes which i think that they have a lot of exposition which is expected fine but i think eloise does play a huge part in saying look uh, look how great I am like she's trying to establish like I think they're trying to establish her as this kind of feminist icon mm-hmm. which sure she can be that's fine I it, it is but I think a lot of the time it's a bit much mm-hmm. you yeah. know it's a bit it's a bit too much of um it's almost as if a character only had a gender rather than a character yeah if that makes sense yeah. and that does improve and I think even in this episode, we have a first glimpse of um, Eloise when she's talking to Benedict. Um, I think we have this first glimpse of a yeah. more soft side to her, a more other side of like of reflection rather than just saying, "Oh, I want, I want to be able to go to university. I want to be able to do this and that." And you know, it's not fair, which mm-hmm. is not fair. I'm not saying she's she's not wrong. It's just that yeah. how is that presented in the show? In, but I then, but then that the show does improve a bit. And that dialogue with with Benedict helps her see as well that it's not that. M- men have it worse no 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 but it helps her see things less like you know black and white like her brother who she would automatically think he is more privileged and he is more his life he got it easier but he might also not want to feel his face in society as it is and he he might want different things and he says so that's an interesting conversation that's more i think more feminist than just saying i want to have a career you know so that's kind of something that i think the show learns how to deal with that and she becomes and when they have um a conflict uh, later on she has a conflict with penelope about this and it's like she realizes her own privilege so she's complaining and it is she has a lot to complain about we agree with her but at the same time there's women who don't even get to think about these things and complain mm-hmm. about it because they don't have a choice and she at least has yeah you know the choice of becoming a spinster and live with her mom until the end of her days but there's women who cannot um and she would and she's very lucky as well i know how horrible it's it's horrible to say it but she is very lucky to have brothers to to be in a tight-knit family to have brothers who would look after her because the problem for many women who didn't marry or who didn't want to marry is that they would have to be looked after by male relatives who Mm -hmm. had who who control the financial uh, uh, situation so they would have to depend on them and maybe for eloise it wouldn't even be that bad because i'm sure her brothers would provide for her and not be and not be too mean about it but i'm sure i i definitely i think other women didn't have um such luck weren't that yeah. wasn't so, so lucky you yeah. know as she is you can so see I think there is i think it improves as we said it does get better yeah but you can see in the in the show itself and if you've read the other books you see other female characters who do have it worse and you know and so it's it is interesting to say that she's also she also has a place of speech you know that is very specific and that you know but it's interesting to say that i think there's more feminist they call don't call itself feminist and feminism is an activist you know like so you don't necessarily say i'm not going to say that they are feminist but they're pro women and pro equality equality more than something that's super expository and that says i am a feminist or i am you know so so i just i I think it's important to point it out. I think Violet is a big one. Lady Danbury, what she says. And even and like later on, we see a lot more of um, of the Modiste mm-hmm. and uh, of, uh, oh my goodness, Sienna. Yes, mm-hmm. I've forgotten her name. <laughs> of Sienna and how they are women trying to make it in the world 
mm-hmm. in which they are not considered, they are not ladies, they don't fit in in the expectations of society, but they're trying to make it for themselves. They don't have anyone to look after them, to look out for them, and they're trying to do the best what, with the situation they have. So that is definitely uh, also a representation like, as a type of... Um, Feminism, it doesn't, I, I guess what we're trying to say is that feminism doesn't have to be always waving that flag. You can, you can act in, in a way that is feminist without having to say it. Yeah. And I think Eloise learns that too. Yeah. And yeah, she has a nice learning curve in the first season. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know if we have that much more to say about this episode. Do you want to add I anything? just want to make a point. Uh-huh. I just want to say very briefly that this at the end towards the end of the episode we have uh, a ball in which they Simon and Daphne start calling each other Simon and Daphne it's such a big deal and if anyone's read romance novels before when they call each other by their first names it's like the panties have fallen um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a big moment uh, and I think it's so intimate um, and I don't I maybe not for our kind of for 21st century sensibilities but definitely for the time when we're reading about <laughs> regency things it's such a big deal that they're calling each other by their first names and you can see that when when simon simon calls daphne by her name she's like yep <laughs> I'll get, good I'll, thing we didn't wear pants that's what she's, she's thinking. thinking like she can get it like you know <laughs> this girl can get it <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, to, I think to conclude, uh, we have the, so the episode comes full circle because we start with Simon's birth and we end the episode with the Duke, Duke of Hastings' death. And then we learn why Simon is so reluctant to get married because he doesn't want to have children. He promised his father that he will not continue the line. And I think that's a big revelation yeah. that it will be developed later on, in like for in later episodes. Yeah, and that's, that's, it explains his, his, I think we see, I think uh, by the end of episode two, we have a lot of, the plot is set out completely. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we know, we know where we're going now. We kind of have all the beginnings. We have all the explanations for why people are, I mean, the main characters, I mean, are the way they are. And we still have the question mark of like, who is Miss Lady Whistledown? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think the show makes very obvious. Yeah. So we'll talk about it when we when get it, there. When, yeah. But I think it's very obvious in the show. I'm not sure. Cause obviously I knew who it was before I read it. Yeah. Before I saw it. Yeah, same. Um, because I read the books. Uh, but it, I, I do find it strange because in the first book, you don't find out who it is. So they decided they're clearly going a different way, which again, interesting. Looking forward to see what they do with it. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. And um, I don't think I have anything to add. I guess this is it for, for episode two. Um, and we'll see you next time for the next episode. Yes, thank you for listening to us ramble about Bridgerton. Uh, we'll be here again next time, rambling about Bridgerton. Yes, that's <laughs> Thank expected. you, guys. Thank you, and bye. Bye, have a nice week. You've been listening to Postcolonials in Petticoats, where we dissect period dramas old and new. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.